There's never been a more important time to ensure your immune system is operating at its peak. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman with a new natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals created exclusively to help promote a better immune response. Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea. Future Farm's Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea is the first to combine these three powerful ingredients together. Elderberry is packed with antioxidants, vitamins, and may boost your immune system. Echinacea has been shown to activate chemicals in the body that decrease inflammation, and zinc activates T lymphocytes. Low zinc has been associated with increased susceptibility. For more information and order, call 888-841-7216. That's 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Elderberry with zinc and echinacea is all natural, science-based, and works without adverse side effects. myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine. I'm your host, Layla Mutin. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. I have a private practice. I also work with Dr. Hoffman. If you'd like to make an appointment, call the office, 212-779-1744. I am available in person, via telehealth, via telephone, whatever suits you. If you'd like to sign up for the Intelligent Medicine newsletter, it's free. Go to drhoffman.com. That's drhoffman.com and sign up. We don't do anything with your email. We don't spam you or anything. You may unsubscribe to the newsletter at any time. I'm going to dive into your questions today. I've got a follow-up actually from Dennis. Dennis says, hi, Layla. You read and answered my question on your podcast concerning red yeast rice and coronary artery calcium. And you said it really wasn't answered in the study you referred to, but you thought it was safe to assume that the naturally occurring statin in red yeast rice would have likely the same effect and to take some vitamin K, particularly K2. Well, I'm already taking red yeast rice and K2. Are these two things canceling each other out? No, no, Dennis, they are not canceling each other out. You need the vitamin K. You need the vitamin K whether you're taking a statin and even more so if you're taking a statin. And because we are presuming that even red yeast rice, because it has some statin in it, may have the same effect, we don't know for sure, you still need the vitamin K. Not a canceling each other out scenario, in my opinion. You need the vitamin K. 180 micrograms a day, up to 320 micrograms a day. Again, we're looking at further research that says we may need even more. We will keep you informed of all of that, of all of that. This is a great question. So if you are taking red yeast rice, Dennis, continue taking the K. Absolutely take the K. Thank you for that very important question. I've got a question here from Cheryl. Hi, Layla. I follow the salad and salmon diet and I do very well on it. Terrific. My question is, what do you think of high protein lentil and quinoa pasta at 20 grams protein per serving? 
Since lentils and whole grains are permitted daily, would this high-protein pasta be permitted on the salad and salmon diet? I know we're not supposed to eat flour products, so please clarify. This is a great question, Cheryl, and thank you for emailing me. Uh, I like lentils and I like quinoa, and they are both on the salad and salmon diet. Let me just give you an overview of the salad and salmon diet. You are allowed two grain servings per day. And what is a grain serving? A one ounce slice of bread, although bread is not preferred. Here's the thing, because it's a flour product, unless it's it's quite whole grain. Uh, uh, a half cup serving of cooked quinoa, of cooked brown rice, of cooked millet, teff, amaranth, buckwheat. Those are the preferred, even of cooked wheat, if you don't have a wheat allergy or anything like that, or spelt, if you don't have a wheat allergy, right, or rye or something like that. But it must be measured after it's been cooked. So two half cup servings a day. So a full cup of grains. Well, here's the thing. I would prefer, Cheryl, that you're having a lentil or a quinoa pasta regular than a regular old, you know, rather than a regular old white flour pasta. So these are better choices if you want to have pasta. Would they be allowed on the salad and salmon diet this way? Sure, because they're a quinoa and a lentil pasta. I, I would imagine the lentil pasta is better. It's going to have more fiber, maybe a little more intact than the quinoa pasta. But again, any pasta, no matter what it's made from, is a processed product. I will always prefer that you have a half cup serving of quinoa, you know, some lentils on the side, that type of a thing. That's always better than anything processed. But certainly, the lentil pasta, the quinoa pasta, is certainly better than your white pasta, your white bread, or any other type of processed food. I hope that answers your question. Okay. Let's see here some things I want to talk to you about today. Optimizing the brain the brain microbiome axis. This is out of holistic primary care. So we want to we're talking about optimizing the brain microbiome axis. Many factors influence the relationship between the digestive organs, the gut microbiome, and the central nervous system. Diet and exercise are important ones, and new research sheds light on how nutritional interventions and probiotic supplements can be applied to optimize gut-brain communication. The promise of the, quote, psychobiotic revolution, end quote, is that many of the underlying drivers of chronic mental illness can be reversed with relatively simple interventions. They say we cannot change the genes in our cells, <clears throat> but we can change the genes in our microbiota. That can have a positive or negative health benefit. This is from Dr. Ted Dinan, MD, PhD, a pioneer in the field 
of microbiome research. The first step is to address factors that may be impairing the optimal function of the gut-brain microbiome axis. And Dr. Dynan says, consider the following. Intestinal permeability. The gut microbiome heavily influences gut wall permeability. We know harmful bacteria can overcolonize the colon and increase permeability, which leads to many negative consequences. The strongest example is the overcolonization of the intestine by Clostridium difficile, that's C. difficile, following antibiotic therapy. But there are many others. Let me talk about C. diff, Clostridium difficile. If you've ever taken a round of antibiotics, and then suddenly after that round was done, you were having diarrhea, and the diarrhea wouldn't go away. You now have intractable diarrhea. It could be because of C. diff. So this is one of the strongest examples of overcolonization of an opportunistic uh, bacteria like C. diff, right? This will be harmful bacteria. Microbiome imbalances lead to the intestinal permeability we're talking about, the leaky gut. It leads to epithelial and mucosal damage, allowing potentially harmful inflammatory molecules to enter the blood. Beneficial gut bacteria, on the other hand, decrease gut permeability by upregulating production of transmembrane proteins that preserve the tight junctions that we're supposed to have in the gut there, you know, between the epithelial cells. So we want that beneficial gut bacteria. It keeps those junctions tight, not loose, so that the gut is not leaky, so that we don't have that intestinal permeability. That's what beneficial gut bacteria can help to achieve, can keep those tight junctions. The brain and nervous system influence intestinal permeability. For example, signals from the brain during stress can increase permeability. The central nervous system also influences the microbiota composition, which in turn influences intestinal per permeability directly via immune and hormonal responses. So think about it. Signals from your brain during stress can cause a leaky gut. The central nervous system is also influencing the gut microbiota. It's, inf it's influencing your microbiome, which then in turn influences whether you will have a leaky gut or not. And it does this directly via immune and hormonal responses. Let's talk about antibiotics. These drugs are sometimes necessary, but we need to use them much more judiciously. In, in addition to C. difficile, many other unfriendly bugs can populate the intestines following repeated courses of antibiotics that wipe out their competition. Even with optimal care, 
and diligent probiotic use, it can take up to three full months for the microbiome to stabilize after a course of antibiotics. Remember, antibiotics do a very good job of wiping out the bacteria that it needs to wipe out, but in the process, it's wiping out your terrain, your beneficial bacteria too. So you're basically left with a desert that would normally be populated with good, friendly, beneficial bacteria. And that's why it's important. When you're taking antibiotics, you want to take probiotics too. However, you don't take them together. You must take them at least two hours away from one another. For example, say you're taking your probiotic first thing in the morning before breakfast. Great. You have to wait at least two, by, two hours before taking your prescribed antibiotic, right? You want to keep those two things, the antibiotic and the probiotic, two hours away from each other. Let's talk about other medications. Beyond antibiotics, many other drugs can be problematic for the microbiome. And according to Dr. Dinan, 75% of commonly prescribed drugs in the United States and Europe can impact the microbiota, and most not in a positive way, he says. H2 blockers and proton pump inhibitors are common culprits. H2 blockers, proton pump inhibitors, let me give you examples of those drugs. Prilosec, Nexium, we're talking about your omeprazole, we're talking about protonics, Asifex, we're talking about those. H2 blockers and proton pump inhibitors are common culprits, but there are many. Diet. The gut microbiome is healthier when people eat a wide variety of whole foods, especially polyphenol-rich vegetables and fruits, nuts, legumes, whole grains. It suffers when a steady diet of fast food, on a, when fed a steady diet of fast food, processed food, and refined carbs. So really, the suffering comes from the processed food, refined carbs, fast food. You want to eat a whole foods diet rich in vegetables, fruits, nuts, legumes if you're having them, and whole grains if you're having them. Diets need to be individualized, and this is why I bring this up. Diets need to be individualized because if you are insulin resistant, overweight, carbohydrate intolerant, diabetic, you want to stay away from those whole grains and you want to limit your legumes, but you're still eating all these other polyphenol-rich foods, and that still serves you. So diets need to be individualized, absolutely, but in general, it's a good idea to increase fatty acids, particularly EPA and DHA, as they're both important structural components of the brain. Dr. Dinan pointed out that bifidobacterial counts also rise significantly when people supplement with these very beneficial omega-3s. So taking an omega-3 supplement, your EPA, your DHA, right, your ortho-omega or your bi-omega, you can get those 
at drhoffman.com. Click on the store. You could get those there. Eating wild Alaskan salmon, sardines, anchovies, things like that. These are very high in omega-3s. Dietary fiber is also important, particularly inulin, which can be obtained from leeks, onions, jicama, potatoes, and wheat. And obviously wheat for those who do not have wheat or gluten sensitivities. And especially from Jerusalem artichokes. Jerusalem artichokes are also known as sunchokes. Sunchokes. Naturally fermented foods, unpasteurized sauerkraut, kimchi, and the like, are also good additions to the diet. With regard to curcumin, Dr. Dinan says, I don't believe it enters the brain in any sizable quantities, but it has big effects on the gut microbiome, which could very well account for the antidepressant and pro-cognitive benefits observed in a number of well-designed curcumin studies Take curcumin. Get turmeric. You're scrambling your eggs in the morning, making it, making an omelet. Add turmeric to that. You're making curries. Turmeric is, a, is one of the spices included in curries along with, uh, along with cumin. You've got turmeric. You've got things like garam masala. You've got a whole lot of things. Coriander as well among many other things, depending on the types of curves you're making, but turmeric is always there. Exercise. Gut microbiota are healthier in people that engage in regular aerobic exercise. So, and psychobiotic supplementation, think about this, clearly supplementation with psychobiotics will play an important role in in optimizing the gut-brain relationship. Dr. Dynan says it is best to use multi-strain products containing, you know, a a good amount of the colony-forming units, but it also has to do with the way it's made, like a Dr. O'Hara's, which has been fermented for years. It's an excellent product. And products that provide several different organisms will help promote the the microbial diversity that's necessary in the gut. You know, this is another argument for variety in our foods. This is nature's argument for variety in the diet. The more diverse our diet is, the more diverse microbiota that we will produce, that we will form in the intestines. This is important, that we will feed in the intestines. In general, Dr. Dynan says, psychobiotics are tourists in our intestines. They can be exceedingly active, producing bioactive molecules and stimulating our immune systems. But they don't colonize the intestine. They have to be taken on an ongoing basis to continue to exert their effects, right? You want to continue taking the the probiotics, even the prebiotics that we talked about. 
Inulin is a prebiotic, you know, from onions, leeks, jicama, potatoes, Jerusalem artichoke, which is sunchoke. There are a lot of prebiotic foods and things like the kimchi, which I always have a jar of in my refrigerator. And sometimes I also get that unpasteurized sauerkraut. And you want to, where you can, avoid the use of antibiotics and other medications like the H2 blockers and proton pump inhibitors. If you're taking things for acid reflux, you know, these cause, cause changes in the pH of your small intestine, which can then change the intestinal permeability. You can, it can, it can induce a, re, a leaky gut. It can induce intestinal permeability right? You want to find better ways to control that GERD, not taking that, not having to resort to those particular medications. But our intestines thrive on a very, on a very varied and clean and whole foods diet. And that's really the way to go. Continue taking the supplements. If you're taking a prebiotic supplement, you're getting prebiotic foods in your diet, a probiotic supplement, you're eating probiotic foods, Maybe it's fermented coconut kefir or some yogurt that you're having or regular kefir that you're having. And I mentioned coconut kefir and yogurts if you're dairy-free. Those are good options for you, right? If you are having dairy, if you're not allergic, uh, you know, goat's milk, sheep's milk, even cow's milk, many people are able to tolerate, others are not. And that's why the dairy-free alternatives to those probiotic foods are helpful and beneficial and things that you, that you can include in your diet. All right. Excellent information about optimizing the brain microbiome axis. So much has to do with the microbiomes. And like the, like the researcher said in the beginning, we may, we may not be able to turn, to change our genes. We can't change our genes, but we have the ability to turn them on or off, right? With the way we live and our lifestyle and so forth. But we can change the genes of the microbiome by changing the microbiome to the more beneficial, fair, uh, friendly gut bacteria rather than the opportunistic, unfriendly stuff, right? So there we go. I invite you to email me with any questions, topics of interest to radio program at AOL.com. That's radio program at AOL.com. And I thank you for joining me on another edition of Layla Ways In here on Intelligent Medicine. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.